Games rated E to M. Welcome to Nintendo Power Podcast. This episode, we reveal your Nintendo Power fan favorite games of 2021. My name is Chris, and if you've been listening to this show for a while, then you know that my guests for a year-end episode like this are going to be Kit and Krista from Nintendo Minute. Thank you both for coming back. Yay! It's We're my back. favorite time of the year. I love this this episode of the podcast and to get to sit down with you, Chris, and just talk about all the great games this year. Yeah, Nintendo Minute's fine, but this is really this is really what we look forward to. The cherry on top of the year, <laughs> really. <laughs> it really just uh, typifies the holiday season, I think. So Definitely. thanks again for uh, always uh, coming on. And, you know, regular listeners will also know that for a year-end episode, we don't stick to the usual format. Uh, instead, we talk about your favorite Nintendo Switch games. And how do we know what those are? Well, we set up an online ballot and asked Nintendo fans to vote on some of their favorite games from this year. Um, and we're going to spend the whole episode talking about your picks and to be clear, we're just doing this for fun. You know, there aren't any awards to hand out, and the nominees mostly just come from games that those of us on the Nintendo Power Podcast team have personally enjoyed. And, and there just aren't enough hours in the year for us to play everything. So if you don't hear me uh, talk about some of your favorites on this list, or if you think there are plenty of other games that should have gotten a shout-out, well, I totally agree with that. But this is a fun way for us to remember and, and even to recommend some really cool games. And all of the fans gave us a great response, as they do every year. Uh, so a big thanks to everybody who voted. And, uh, of course, I'm the only one who knows which games the fans picked. So, Kent and Krista, uh, you'll both be totally surprised. Are you ready? Can't wait. Let's do it. Open that envelope. All right, here we go. We have 10 categories. And our first is Merry Multiplayer. And the nominated games were Mario Party Superstars, Monster Hunter Rise, Pokemon Unite, and Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. And the fans picked Mario Party Superstars. Wow. Very That's cool. awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, the game came out recently, and obviously the Mario Party series is always a popular one with Nintendo fans, so maybe not a huge surprise, but uh, I think a very deserving game. Yeah, this is a great category. Um, you know, really a lot of different implementations of multiplayer here. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people being really happy with Mario Party Superstars and online play, which is great to see. Um, you know, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury is more of a local co-op game. Um, if I had to choose, I would probably go with Monster Hunter Rise, which is just a really sophisticated um, multiplayer system. Really anything that you want to do, you can do. And I've also found over the years, all the Monster Hunter games I've played, just the Monster Hunter community is so welcoming mm -hmm. and friendly, mm -hmm. especially for new players who maybe don't know what they're doing. So I kind of gave that a little bump over of, of it's it, it all works well technically. And then once you're there, it's, it's just a really fun place to be. Yeah, definitely not surprised with uh, Mario Party Superstars taking this category. I think this one, especially with all of the great nostalgia from many games of Mario Party games past, made it really special. So I can see why the fans um, chose this one. For me personally, I actually picked Pokemon Unite. This was a game that super surprised me. I I think I saw a few trailers when the game was about to launch, and um, it looked really fun, but I just didn't 
you know, imagine myself being totally sucked into it and, and playing so much. And um, we did a couple of really fun uh, Nintendo Minute episodes playing with um, our fellow creator friends, and we just had the best time. It definitely helped that I beat Kit really badly. Um, <laughs> but uh, th- this is definitely a game that was a surprise for me and in such a fun way to um, enjoy, you know, the Pokemon franchise. Absolutely. And yeah, obviously every game that was on this list deserved to be there. Uh, and I probably would have gone with Mario Party Superstars as well, only because uh, I have so much fun playing these games with my kids. And uh, and we, we've we already played this one quite a lot. Um, but I also really have enjoyed uh, playing with my kids as well, Super Mario 3D World plus, uh, plus Bowser's Fury. Uh, it's uh, it, it can be a really challenging multiplayer game at times to play that game with with multiple people, especially on certain levels that are forced scrolling levels. You know where you're forced to keep up with the with the level as it pushes you through. And uh, but we've had some really hilarious and kind of funny moments spin out of that too. So we even even when we're playing poorly, it's it's always a lot of fun. All right, now moving on, the next category was intense action, and the nominated games were Cruise and Blast, Metroid Dread. Monster Hunter Rise, and No More Heroes 3. And the fans picked Metroid Dread. Of course. Good very pick. well deserved. Good pick. Good pick. I will say that this was the category where my lobbying for Cruise and Blast really kicked in. <laughs> it's like, I just have to make the case for this game. It's like, so this is a driving game. It's like an arcade racing game. Not what you would typically put into the action category, but there's just some crazy stuff that happens when you're driving, like a chasm will just open into the ground or you'll just drive past dinosaurs or like a giant Yeti. And it's like, wow, this is this is action packed. But no, Metroid Dread, I think, was is a very <laughs> deserving winner. And um, I think we'll be talking about this game more as we go through these categories, too. But there were definitely some battles where I was just gripping that system and the pulse was pounding and the sweat was pouring. I think like in the other category, um, the multiplayer category, this is such such a great um, look at the variety of action you can have in a game. You know, with Cruising Blast, like you were saying, it's like the sort of this like zany, unbelievable Yeti coming out of a chasm kind of action. And then with Metroid Dread, it's like this very, like almost like a horror movie um, type of action. Uh, Definitely Monster Hunter Rise, you know, has... Uh, has that great sort of taking down a big beast with your friends um, type of thing. But my personal favorite was actually No More Heroes 3, which is this just like this beautiful cinematic, almost like a artistic kind of action where just these enemies were, were doing such crazy stuff and the graphics were so amazing and there's like flowers coming out coming at you from the screen and weird space things. And yeah, it was just amazing to... Um, to, you know, play that game and, and sort of get lost in that really um, sort of artistic world that the game is set in. Yeah, I think those are all, you know, games that have some very intense moments, some very intense action. Uh, for me, I, I would have voted for Metroid Dread as, as well, just because just because it's Metroid Dread. And, and it's the game that, uh, that uh, you know, I, I played probably more than any other this year and enjoyed it so much. And it definitely has some very intense moments, especially some of those boss battles, which can be really, really tricky, but also very satisfying once you kind of finally unlock the patterns and things like that. All right, moving on to category number three, which is Spiffy Indie. And the indies that were nominated were Axiom Verge 2, Cyber Shadow, Haven, and Toem. And the fans picked Axiom Verge 2. Nice. 
Another great pick. Yeah, I think that was something a lot of people were very excited to see, yeah, because the original Axiom Verge was, was such a popular game. I, uh, I love this category. I played all four of them. I finished three of them. I couldn't finish Cyber Shadow. It was too hard for me. Um, very hard to choose. I would give a shout out to Haven, which is a game that came out really early in the year. And, and sometimes it's easy to forget those when you're looking back at the year. But, you know, that was a very original game, sort of a sci-fi setting with this, this sort of couple who's stranded on a planet and trying to get off and, and just very different kind of game as far as the gameplay and the storytelling. I would go, if I had to choose, probably with Toem, which is... One of the games where sometimes this happens, I see it in, um, you know, one of our um, Indie World showcases, and I just think, I'm going to love this game. And then I played it, and I think, I love this game. And it's just, <laughs> you know, this very cute game where you're going around with a camera trying to complete these challenges, but it just really makes your your heart feel warm. But no, what a great category and so much incredible work being done by the indie developers these days. Yeah, this is one of my favorite categories as well, and uh, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that I only beat two out of the four oh. games. Axiom Verge and Cyber Shadow are both really hard for me, but I still like them. I still tried. Um, I agree with you on Haven. It's such an interesting, different sort of, I wouldn't even say it's like a game game. You know, it's it's one of those like bedtime games that, that I love where you can just like enjoy a, a really beautiful cinematic story and, and good music and a, a really... Um, just kind of seeing how the story unfolds was, was really great. It's almost like reading like a graphic novel. And then Tome was one that was really surprising. First of all, the game is black and white. So visually it's already like a, a kind of a different thing. And, and, you know, like you were saying, when you're watching this indie showcase, it kind of stands out because of the sort of the different look of it. And yes, it's such a cute, sweet game. I played that game when I, when I was on vacation and it totally wore my heart. So great, great category. But um, my pick is Haven for this one. Chris, I'm guessing Axiom Verge 2 would have been your pick? Close. Uh, oh. Actually, Cyber Shadow. And, wow. Did you beat it? I did. Oh, yeah. Chris. Oh, my goodness. Cyber Shadow was very hard for me and very challenging, but I love that type of game, that retro uh, kind of side-scrolling 8-bit style action game. I love that kind of game so much that I stuck with it and um, was very satisfied when I finally did kind of crack those tougher spots and just had a lot of fun with it. Axiom Verge 2, you know, s similar kind of retro style side-scrolling action game, kind of more of the flow of a Metroid type of game, obviously, where you're kind of navigating a, a big maze-like world. Really enjoyed my time with that as well, but I, I, would, I would slightly give the, my personal, you know, uh, uh, advantage there to Cyber Shadow. Um, but one of the things I love about this category and all the games that were nominated, and of course there could have been so many more that we listed here, is it just really shows the, the wide variety and the creativity that you get from the indie community. And um, this is always one of my favorite, um, my favorite type of games each year and my favorite category to talk about. But I will say also that uh, the, the, vo uh, the voting for this category was very tight across the board, oh. mm -hmm. kind of really showing a lot of support for all of these titles. Nice. I'm sure there's more. There's more that we've we've missed on this in this category specifically. So hopefully fans are going to suggest other indie games for us to play. Yeah, definitely. I know there's still a lot that I need to get to, and I'm hoping to to get to over the holiday break. All right. Next up is great graphics, and the nominated games here were Metroid Dread, Monster Hunter Rise, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, and Tetris Effect Connected. And the fans picked Metroid Dread once again. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. 
Yeah, I feel like this game is going to win a lot in all the different categories. So, yeah. <laughs> this was a category where I was really racking my brain of like, well, if I had to pick, what would I choose? And I kind of couldn't do it because they're all just really standouts on their own merits. But I can understand, you know, Metroid Dread. And I think when I first saw the game, something that really was eye-popping to me was, you know, you have the standard sort of 2D angle that you're playing at, but then there's that kind of three-quarter view when you're taking down an Emmy. And the game is just really smart at, at throwing these different looks at you that I really liked. And the background, too, and how the even the 2D you know, your 2D world had such depth and you could pick out little things like moving around or creepy alien creatures like skulking in the background. Some of that stuff was really amazing. I really do want to talk a little bit about Bowser's Fury specifically though, because I think that rained on like wet Bowser look is so incredible. That's a really weird way to describe it, but you guys know what I mean. We're in like, when Fury Bowser comes comes out and you're kind of battling through that rainy environment, I just think that was amazing. What a crazy sort of different um, graphical style for a, a Mario game. And so that that one, I, I you know, really kind of stuck in my mind for a while. And um, and sort of that was what you know gave gave me the 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 choice uh, the edge to pick um, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Yeah, no, I totally get what you mean. I like. Uh... I like that kind of wet surface look when it's done well in games. It's kind of like the new the new water. You always used to say, "Oh, the water looks the water great looks in this great. game." <laughs> now it's like, "Oh, now the water looks great on on Bowser." <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, you're right, Kit. All of these games, you know, look great in different ways. You know, the 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 visual styles are so different. It is hard to compare. But um, but I definitely can't fault the fans for picking Metroid Dread um, because it does have. Uh, you know, those background details, like you said, such a great atmosphere. And then I also really appreciated how as you go farther in the game and you reach new areas, they keep changing up kind of uh, the visual style. You know, you, each area can be really themed around kind of more, um, you know, plant type, you know, uh, um, uh, decorations. Or maybe you're just in a straight cave or you're in brighter areas or darker areas. And some of the later ones I thought were some of the best looking. So I kept being more and more pleasantly surprised as I went along. But I would have trouble, uh, just like you said, Kit, kind of choosing my own personal pick here. And I'd kind of written down that uh, it would be a tie between Metroid Dread and Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. So kind of can't go wrong no matter which game you pick. Uh, for the next category, number five, uh, it's Super Soundtrack. And the nominated games here were Cruise and Blast, Deltarune Chapter 1 and 2, Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, and Tetris Effect Connected. Um, and the fans picked Deltarune Chapter 1 and 2. Yeah, not surprised at all for that one. But I know what Kit's pick is going to be. His continued campaign for <laughs> Cruise and Blast. So it, it, it's on this list uh, for me for one song only, the main theme song. It's uh, not only the song of the year for me from a video game. It's the, the best song I've heard in, anywhere all year. Maybe all decade, maybe all my life. This is going to be wow. the greatest song I ever hear. This is like your it's incredible. End of, end of your playlist is just the cruise it's and just blast theme song, cruise like, and blast. Yeah, like on repeat for like thousands of hours. <laughs> it gives you a good feeling when you listen to that song. What kind of feeling? Tell me more. I don't know. It's like I'm, like I'm excited. I'm ready oh, to excited. race. There's something about it that's like somewhat emotional too. 
It's just every everything that you get out of music, you get out of this song. This is a very interesting reaction to the Cruise and Blast theme song. So it's like your your wake up song and your workout song and your <laughs> yes. your introspective okay. your song. <laughs> it's like they used to say, like, you know, Guile's theme from Street Fighter goes with everything. Like, no, it's the new Cruise and Blast now is the new Guile's theme. <laughs> oh my gosh. In in your in your world, in your little world. <laughs> um anyways. Uh, let's talk about Tetris Effect Connected and how great the music is there. No, just kidding. Um, yeah, I think it, it is hard to pick in this category, but Delta Rune, I think Toby Fox's music is so iconic. So, of course, I think the fans made it a great pick. I, I actually did really like Tetris Effect Connected, but I think I, I was in a, in a weird state. I played Tetris right after Metroid Dread, and I had been, like, all worked up playing Metroid Dread and just like living in fear for however many <laughs> hours it took me to beat Metroid. Um, and then when I played Tetris Effect Connected, I was like, oh, this is so relaxing. This is exactly what my mind needs to unwind from like the the stress of Metroid Dread. And so I think that's maybe what affected my decision a little bit. Deltarune is one of those games where I love it. I, I finished this game and I really enjoyed it. But I always feel kind of bad after I finish it because, you know, Toby Fox does so much of it himself. And it's like, wow, how did he do all of this? He's like, Toby, you're making me look bad. Like you're like developing <laughs> this game. You wrote all this music. You did all this. You wrote this crazy story. It's hilarious. And it's just little me, just this little schlub playing it. You're just sitting around listening to Cruise and Blast theme in song. My little, in my little fishbowl. Yeah. Yeah. God. <laughs> Wasted. Maybe if you'd been listening to Cruise and Blast all this time for all your life, you would have been more motivated to reach those Toby Fox <laughs> yeah. levels of greatness. <laughs> Toby knew. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, well, I, I, I can't, you know, I mean, Toby Fox, I love his music, so I can't fault the fans on that one for sure. But I do want to give a shout out to the uh, soundtrack from Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. And of course, most of the music in that game, uh, you know, was also in the original uh, Wii U version of Super Mario 3D World. And I've loved it ever since then. I love that uh, the big band feel of, of uh, the new music plus kind of, uh, you know, some of the classic Mario themes. Um, so that's just one that I always thought maybe was a little underappreciated. It's one of my favorite game soundtracks. Then coming up next, the sixth category is so relaxing. And we wrote several O's in that so many, relaxing. Many, many O's just to get yes. the point across. <laughs> and the nominated games were Haven, New Pokemon Snap, Toem, and unpacking and the fans picked new pokemon snap yay yes i it, picked that one too they actually showed a lot of love for that game in the voting yes i agree this game is so lots of those relaxing i mean just being able to sort of kind of meander through this beautiful pokemon environment and not really having to do much of anything except for taking photos it's great. You know, there's no pressure, no stress. You can just kind of hang out and, and enjoy and relax and look at the view. And it's so much fun. Yeah, I loved it. You could argue that the original uh, Pokemon Snap really was a pioneer in that sort of cozy, it's relaxing true. game uh, category yeah. all those years ago on Nintendo 64. That's true. It's true. For sure. Yeah, you didn't have a lot of games like that back then that, that were anything but kind of just straightforward action. Unpacking is a game that um, came out, you know, around the time we were we were figuring out what these um, categories would be, 
and uh, I think we all sort of played it right right then to to get a sense for it. And it's definitely you know got that relaxing feel where you're literally unpacking boxes into a series of rooms as you go through this sort of main character's life. But it's interesting how that game has a lot more to say as well. Um, and there was a part that really stood with me, and I think with a lot of people, based on what you hear about the game, where you, you sort of play as this you know girl who grows into a woman in these different scenarios of her life. And there's one where it seems like she's like moving in with a boyfriend. And the worst the, boyfriend ever. The boyfriend's apartment is already just like cluttered with his stuff. And it's so claustrophobic. It's like really hard to find where to put everything. And one of the items that you always have with you is your diploma, which you have always displayed very proudly. And you just kind of realize like there's literally nowhere for this diploma to go. And you end up putting it under the bed, which is like, oh, it's this relationship is yeah. doomed. Yeah, it's such a shameful thing. Like, it's like if you have to stoop to that level of you putting your hard-earned diploma in a field that you love. She's an artist, and so I think her diploma is in, in some sort of illustration. And shove it under the bed because your boyfriend hasn't made room for you in his life. Like, guys, this is your big sister talking. Time to end it. <laughs> <laughs> some big sister advice right now. Um, but, yeah, that game is awesome. It has, like, that... Um, uh, what is that thing where it's like oddly satisfying things? Like when you watch someone like organize their refrigerator or when you watch um, those videos of people like cutting into like sand art or whatever. That is what that game is like in a video game where you're like everything like kind of snaps into place when you find the right you know location for the items. And yeah, it feels so good. It's awesome. It's a great game. I'll give another plug to uh, Toem here. And something that I really appreciated about this game, and it's very, you know, relaxing by nature, but in each area, you're sort of given like a series of, of things to do before you can move on to the next one. But they're very lenient about letting you move on by just doing a couple of them. Mm -hmm. So it never gets into this category of like, oh, well, I've done 11, but I need to do the 12th and that one's really annoying. And now I'm kind of aggravated. It's like, no, you can hang around here for as long as you want and do all these challenges if you want, or you could just move on too. It's up to you, which I, I found really refreshing. That game also has like the very satisfying, like Japanese tourist thing where you can get a stamp in your little oh, yeah. book to move. Okay. Always I don't fun. know. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this, but every time I go on vacation in Japan and I can get a stamp, I'm like, I need to get the stamp. Like, I, I don't care what it takes, but I'm going to go get the stamp. And that game had that. And I was like, oh, it's so satisfying to get the stamp and then move on to your next location. Yeah. All of these games are just so great to just kick back to and just kind of experience, you know, probably as you're, you've got the fire roaring and you're listening to Cruise and Blast. <laughs> um, and, but new Pokemon Snap would would be my pick as well. I agree with the fans here. It's there are times where you know I'm I'm trying so hard to do everything in that game and get all the perfect shots and fill out my my photo decks that I can stress myself out a little bit trying to get the right angle. But then even if you miss it, it's like well, it's not hard to just take another you know run through this stage and and eventually it just becomes second nature and you really just. Go into like a Zen like photo, a Zen like photo, you know, taking state. So, all of these games are just great ways to uh, to relax. All right, so moving on to the seventh category, which is what a story. And the nominated games were the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, Deltarune Chapter One and Two, Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, and Metroid Dread. And the fans picked once again Metroid Dread, although this was another pretty tight category. Well, let me tell you how Cruise and Blast got robbed here. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's really, uh, 
cool how much story is packed into Metroid Dread, but told in kind of unconventional ways where, you know, you're getting it in bits and pieces. There's not, you know, there's sort of a, a pretty big story setup at the beginning, but beyond that, it's very integrated into everything else you're doing. I like that the sort of the mysterious way the story unfolds in the game as well, because the game, you know, traditionally Metro games are very lonely. Samus is always by herself and you're kind of getting bits and pieces of it from Adam um, in this game. And then sort of as the story unfolds, you're, you're kind of left with this, you know, prevailing sense of like what is happening. And then of course there's the, the big twist at the end that we won't spoil, but um, I audibly gasped when that happened and it was a, a pretty great sort of way to sort of, um, I think, you know, culminate into this really big story moment in the game. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I would pick Metroid Dread in this category too. Um, of course, it's the one that I've experienced the most having played that game repeatedly, but it, uh, it, it is like you said, Kit, it is a game that the story is told in various ways and some of them very subtle. And, um, but one thing that I appreciate about it is that so much of it focuses on, uh, Samus specifically, or that, you know, she has personal stakes in this story. And I always like that in games where it doesn't feel like you're just, you know, learning lore and, um, or, or, you know, experiencing a story that's, or, you know, that's kind of happening to other people. Um, you know, a lot of that, you know, can be parts of, of a great story. But when a character really has a personal interest in it and it's really affecting them specifically, I feel, as a player, I feel that. And I, as you know, as you kind of uh, align yourself with a character, you want to see where that that journey goes for them. So I really, you know, trying to dance around spoilers there, but I really appreciated all those moments in in Metroid Dread. Yeah, the personal take on it is really was really great. I have to definitely give a shout out to um, the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. That is the craziest story I've ever played in a game, in a, in a long time. Like that story has mm -hmm. so many twists and turns. I mean, definitely similar in style to other Ace Attorney games, but this one especially, I just think is like, you don't see these twists coming and it's kind of in these um, different chapters and you follow the main character through these different sort of environments and, and places. And um, yeah, it, it's an amazing story. I definitely don't want to spoil it for people. So just go play it. Cause it's Have awesome. you played Doki Doki Literature Club Plus? Too scared. Is my, my counter to that. Too scared. <laughs> that game I kept hearing about and people talking about like, oh, that game was crazy. That game was nuts. And I just had to play it to find out for myself what it was because if you just look at it, it looks like sort of this like, you know, anime visual novel with these cute girls, which is not usually my jam. And I won't spoil it, but it's absolutely not that. So uh, it definitely plays a lot with your expectations. I'll also say, you know, Deltarune um, Chapter 2 was probably my most screenshotted game of the year. It was so funny, <laughs> and there were just so many little gags and jokes. I was like, ha, 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 screenshot that um, Toby. Way to go, Toby's Toby. Toby's on to something here. Yeah, for sure. I mean... I've heard all these things about Doki Doki Literature Club, but the one thing that I, and I'm, I'm scared of horror games, so I don't think I'm brave enough to play it, but people say that it makes you really sad. Did it make you sad? Uh, it definitely has some sad moments, but you can, I will say that it, it's pretty upfront, not in spoiling anything, but letting you customize 
how much of the very uh, sad or upsetting content you want to be exposed to, ah, oh, which interesting. is very okay. nice. That's great. Awesome. Well, moving on to the eighth category, which is tough challenge. This is the Chris category. It's like not <laughs> yeah, so well, tough for me, but whatever, fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just too stubborn. I just, uh, I just keep Brute you know losing. <laughs> exactly. So the nominated games were Cyber Shadow, Dungeon Encounters, Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection, and Metroid Dread. And the fans picked Metroid Dread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that yep. game definitely does have its tough moments. But, uh, of course, that can be alleviated somewhat if you've taken the extra time to really look around, get more energy tanks, get more you know, uh, life upgrades and things like that. I, I love how uh. in the loading screens, which you see usually after you have met uh, your end, it says everything that you see from an enemy you can avoid. So it's like maybe you thought that was unfair. It's like, no, you can actually perfect this and not take any damage at all. And that's a game that I feel like really proud to have finished, um, you know, without having to like check out guides or, you know, talk to too many other people. It's absolutely difficult, but in a way that makes you learn, in a way that rewards you for learning and, and makes you feel great for, for doing, for besting those challenges. Yeah, it, this is a very hard game for me, and I think my time for finishing it was like double you, you guys' time, I, for, for sure. At least double, if not triple, because it just took me so long to get through the game, but it didn't matter because... It was incredibly satisfying once you, you know, did those things, like once you figured out those patterns and learned to counter them and got that timing just right. And, um, yeah, it may have, may have taken me like a hundred tries plus to do that. But once you did it, you felt amazing. Like, I'm like invincible. I can totally do this now. Um, but yeah, I, I do remember that boss, the, that last boss. And I think it took me like four days to beat that last boss. And I played like many, many hours every single day until my hands were like, I'm like, I can't play anymore. I need to like give my hands a break. Um, but once you, once you did beat it, it was really awesome feeling. Yeah. That last boss definitely has that, you know, without spoiling anything, uh, has that old school feel where the first time you're, you're, you're tackling it, you're like, how can I do this? This seems unreasonable for them to expect me to do this. But yeah. within a couple of tries, you're, you're starting to make, make headway. And then it gets to the point where parts of the battle are just coming incredibly easy to you now, and you're getting past them without taking a hit. Yeah. And then you're just working on the next part. So right. It's it's. I thought that it's some of the other boss fights in that game were that way for me, but it became very satisfying. You know, when when you are finally really good and just kind of making you know mincemeat out of a boss after they gave you so much trouble in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, it feels great. Yeah, that boss had a couple of phases, right? So yeah, I think yeah. towards the end of my my four-day battle with this boss like the the, the <laughs> earlier phases i was not taking i was like flawlessly doing them it was like i was like in a in like a like a daze <laughs> my eyes were like glassed over as i as i was doing this boss fight but yeah you're totally right it like kind of teaches teaches you along the way and and something that seemed just impossible when you first encountered it is like suddenly totally doable mm -hmm. and i will say about that game too they uh despite the the tricky spots they're generally pretty fair to you. Um, you know, there's there's generally a good number of save rooms um, scattered about. And of course, if you were to meet your end in an Emmy zone, it doesn't even put you all the way back to the save room. It puts you just back to the last right, door where you entered the door. that zone. Yep. Same with a boss. It puts you right back to the start, you know, beginning of that boss fight, basically. 
So, um, so even if you, you know, you go, oh, you know, I lost again, you can pretty much try that thing you just lost at right mm -hmm. away. So it's pretty, pretty good that way. But I think the most challenging game that I played out of this bunch and Cyber Shadow, we I talked about this before, was, was much, uh, for me much more challenging than Metroid Dread. But way more challenging than that was Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection, which should be no surprise for anybody who's familiar with this series. And I was even playing it on, a, on one of the lower difficulties. Um, but this is one of those series where, you know, these side-scrolling uh, Capcom action games from years past where the previous games I would um, I, w I did manage to beat way, way back in the day. But and I don't know if I'm just like I've lost some skills since then or I just have less patience, but <laughs> it, it seems a lot harder. <laughs> Reflexes have slowed down somehow in age. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Maybe so I'm not in my Ghosts and Goblins Prime. Just so we're being thorough and talking about all these dungeon encounters is another one <clears throat> I would put in the same category as um, Doki Doki Literature Club, where I saw it. And I was like, what is this? I need to play this and see for myself. And it's kind of like if you took a very like old school JRPG and matched it with like a tabletop RPG and it, the graphics, like even calling them minimalist is maybe going too far because it's like just your character on this sort of like graph paper grid, which is the dungeon that you're exploring and you build out your party and you take on these um, encounters and you try and you try and find your way out. But the game is not holding your hand at all and you need to figure out, you know, the mechanics and, and what to do. So it's another one of those games that ends up being really satisfying and just really unique the way it's laid out. Yeah, a lot of different types of uh, of cool stuff in this category. And I haven't had a chance to play Dungeon Encounters yet myself, but that's one that I'm definitely interested in because just seeing what it looks like really took me back to like the old, you know, Dungeons and Dragons tabletop games. Totally. And things like that. Yeah. All right, next up is uh, the ninth category, which is Rad Revival. And the nominated games here are Actraiser Renaissance, Famicom Detective Club, The Girl Who Stands Behind, and Famicom Detective Club, The Missing Heir. Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl, or The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. And the fans picked The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. Nice. That was my pick, too. Oh, it was your pick, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's hard to imagine that this game is 10 years old, but it's awesome that people are getting a chance to experience it again. I think this is probably one of the Zelda games that has my favorite storyline. Um, shed mm -hmm. a lot of tears playing this game for the first time, but... Um, it's, it's so cool to, to have this game on, on Nintendo Switch now. Yeah, it's nice how it really, you know, addresses, you know, a lot of opportunities they had to, you know, either use, you know, the modern tools of these systems mm -hmm. or address areas where fans had feedback. So, you know, the original was on Wii. It was not in HD. It is now. Um, the original had only motion controls, and now you can, you know, play it with, um, you know, buttons and a controller and, you know, I think they've also really streamlined the game in a lot of ways. So it's just great to see, you know, a game not only coming out again for a new audience, but in a way that really builds upon what was originally there. For sure. And I really enjoyed playing through it again. Um, I mean, I, I played all the way through it again and, and found myself kind of jumping between control schemes. And what I like some motion controls or some motion aiming sometimes. And sometimes, you know, I was really in the mood for the button controls. And, and so I loved having those options. And just, again, seeing the game, um, you know, brighter, sharper, you know, everything that looks better because it's in HD now. Uh, and it's, it's one of those things where when you're playing it, it's kind of how you remember it. 
looking and feeling. But if you were to go back and play the original, you're like, oh no, this new one's actually quite an improvement. Yeah, and the art style is so unique for this game as well. Seeing that art style kind of um, remastered in HD was pretty cool, that sort of watercolored look to it. Mm -hmm. But of course, um, it was a really fun surprise to see ActRaiser come back with ActRaiser Renaissance. That's a game from the Super Nintendo originally that I remember um, really enjoying a lot and, 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 and appreciating that kind of mix between um, the, the kind of more of the sim mode where you're building your, your town and then when you're actually going in and doing some side-scrolling action. And then, of course, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl. I really liked what they did with those, those um, revivals, I guess you could say, as well. ActRaiser, it's cool. You know, that's a game I was very much of the Super NES era growing up, um, and I just missed that game. And I'd actually never played it until this version came out. So it was just wonderful to be able to finally see what all the fuss was about. And then, you know, Famicom, the Famicom Detective Club games, like that's that's a surprise. Like, the, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if anybody had like, oh, yeah, this year I'm definitely going to expect that these old uh, <laughs> Famicom games are going to come out and, you know, have this great art style and, you know, be, very, be you know, for a new audience. That's just a wonderful surprise for everybody. Yeah, those actually would have been my pick. I, I, to be honest with you, I think I probably got more into The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD as I was playing it, but I was just delighted to be able to finally play the Famicom Detective Club games, because for a, a long time Nintendo fan like me and, and kind of Nintendo collector as well, um, you know, I'd always heard about these games, the original releases on Famicom way back in the 80s that never came over here. Um, so for them to not only finally come over, but to come over with these uh, totally revamped graphics and, and um, you know, other enhancements, um, it was just so great to finally have that over here for us to experience as well. Moving on to the final Category. We made it. The big one. Oh, boy. The big one. The player's game of the year. Uh, and as we usually do, we, we doubled the number of nominated games for this one. Uh, and the list was Mario Party Superstars, Metroid Dread, Monster Hunter Rise, New Pokemon Snap, No More Heroes 3, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Pokemon Shining Pearl, Pokemon Unite, and Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. All very, very deserving games. And the fans picked Metroid Dread. Yay! <laughs> did we all pick Metroid Dread? Uh, I did. How about you, Kit? Uh, I didn't. <gasps> oh no! What? So I was <laughs> did you really, pick Cruise and Blast? I was really in just a mental struggle with myself over Metroid Dread and another game. And with Metroid Dread, it was an absolutely fantastic version. Uh, you know, new installment in the Metroid series, which I, I played every game in Metroid up to this point. Love it. And this was, you know, definitely in my top tier list of Metroid games. But uh, Pokemon Unite wow. exposed me to an entirely new genre that I had never experienced before, had kind of written off and ended up really enjoying and i got really sucked into the pokemon unite um rabbit hole this year and you know learned what this genre was all about came to appreciate it came to understand it and it just works so well with pokemon where you have all those pokemon that are all a little bit different and play a little bit different and that game has been so well maintained with 
um, new content coming out and uh, there's a holiday event coming up that I am very excited for. So yeah, at the end of my uh, mental struggle after I'd played the Cruise and Blast song for the millionth time, I, <laughs> I came to realization of it's Pokemon Unite. Oh boy. I think the Cruise and Blast song maybe have has done a number on your brain, but <laughs> it's still a great choice. I, I agree. I think that game surprised surprised me um you know and i did the the halloween event and it was amazing i i will say that that pokemon unite is the game that i probably played the most this year because even as i was playing all of these other games i would always make the time you know every other day or so to play like one or two pokemon unite battles um because it's just an easy game to sort of jump in and out of and um and sort of play alongside any other game that you're you're enjoying. So um, probably my most played game of the year. But we gotta give it to Metroid Dread. Come on, gotta be an outlier on this one. <laughs> just just to be an outlier. <laughs> Anyone who follows the way of Cruise and Blast knows that uh, <laughs> you have to you have to stand make up your for own yourself. way. Make, make your, your own, own way. way. Well, right, it, it right. is kind of amazing because, like you, you know, Pokemon Unite when that was first announced, I just kind of like shrugged at it. Of like, yeah. okay, I don't really know what this is, and that, again, that's not a genre that I had followed. So for that to ultimately be my favorite game of the year is really something. There's actually a couple games like that where I really had to eat some crow, and I, I'm, I'd be glad to eat some crow right on the podcast here. That's one. Cruise and Blast is actually another where you know that was announced at E3. Um, in the direct and and again it's like eh, I, don't know, I don't know about this not for me and obviously um ended up loving that for a number of reasons um and the third game would be knockout city which um mm. was mm -hmm. announced in another um nintendo direct earlier in the year and and again i was like i don't i don't really know if i get this but um i tried it and immediately i mean the world needs more dodgeball games, and this is just a great version <laughs> of that, a great multiplayer game. Again, another uh, game that um, EA and Velen Studios have been maintaining over the years. So yeah. I'm glad to eat that crow. It tastes, tastes bad, but I like it. <laughs> I second that about 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 that game because there's there's few things that are more satisfying than perfectly timing that catch when someone yeah. thinks they've got you with the, with the dodgeball oh, and man. you catch it. I'm bad at it, but once it lands, it's like that really satisfying, like clunk, when you, your character catches it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. But this is just a really strong, you know, category and, and just a strong list of games overall. And I, you know, I'm going through it myself. I was like, wow, I think I played like 90% of the games on this list. And mm -hmm. it's like, wow, I was like, there was something that I was playing that was really great, like year round. Yeah, we're so lucky that we got all these great games. Yeah, it, for me, it really just came down to what I played the most, and and I, I think I'd been waiting so long for, uh, you know, a brand new Metroid game that when I finished Metroid Dread the first time, I immediately played through it again on the harder difficulty, and then when I finished that one, I immediately played it through again to see if I could beat it in like a fast time and you oh, know speed run. Speed run. Yeah. Did you get the different I, ending? The different well, like ending thing. All, well, you know, you get the different, you know, you know like the different uh, art, right? Art, when you yeah, beat yeah. It. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was, um, I came very close, but oh. I was like, um, I, I think the best I could do is it was a minute over the the time. Oh. So oh, I said, okay. Struggles. So I played it through again. So I basically played that game through four times wow. in a row. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so there's no way after that that it couldn't be my my game of the year. But, yeah. But once again, uh, we just wanted to to give a, a shout out to every game that was nominated in every category and all the other games that could have been nominated. 
um, because, uh, you know, just as speaking personally as a fan, I had an awful lot of fun with so many games this year. Yeah, and yeah, shout out to sure. all the developers out there who are working hard to make fun games for Such all of us. amazing games so, for you. all of us. Yeah, Absolutely, through through a lot of challenges yeah. Uh, yeah, recently as well. Yeah, seriously, I know. What will we, what will we do in, in these times without these amazing games? I don't even know, so it's amazing. I know. Well, before we go, I wanted to ask each of you what your favorite in-game moment was from 2021. Krista, do you want to start? Sure. Well, we're, we've been talking a lot about Metroid Dread. My, my favorite in-game moment was from Metroid Dread, and it was the first moment I saw Kraid um, as a boss. And he's such a classic, iconic, annoying <laughs> Metroid boss that seeing him in, in this game was just like mind-blowingly amazing and the, and of course beating him <laughs> was was also fun um i think that that scene where she kind of has a very stoic over the shoulder shot to do that final blow was was probably one of the most like samus kind of attitude moments um that i've seen in a while so uh so yeah that was my moment of the year Mine is very similar, so I'll add on to that. I, I have sort of three moments for a Metroid Dread that I'm calling just, you know, Samus moments. And that, that Kraid fight was absolutely one of them, you know, where she's just very casually charging up that beam while Kraid is like flailing away and she just blasts him right in the <laughs> right in the kisser. Um, that's one. These other two, I, I won't spoil anything here, but there's, um, there's a moment where Samus does speak briefly, which was super cool um, mm -hmm. to hear her speak uh, even briefly. And then the last one is um, there is a moment where Samus lets out like a primal scream. And I thought it was just like such a cool moment where, you know, this whole game, she had been just so calm and composed. But in this moment, she just kind of lets loose. She loses it. With yeah. all of her, all of her power and just goes nuts. And I was like, yes, I like this. Yeah. And you so rarely see her sort of in that state, you know, she's right. casually taking down Emmys and you kind of briefly see just her eyes behind her visor and they always look very calm and very collected and, it was just a, a sort of a jolt um, when I saw her in that moment as well. Yeah, I agree. I thought there were so many fun moments in that game. Um, so many that, uh, <clears throat> you know, I wouldn't want to spoil. And in fact, my favorite in-game moment for the year is also from that game, but it's it's from something I definitely don't want to spoil. But for anyone who's experienced it, I'll just say that um, it's a moment where Adam tells uh, Samus something about <gasps> herself. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if that's specific enough, but when I when I read that, on the screen, it blew me away. Yeah, me and, too. Um, yeah. And I'll also say that the whole last boss fight and everything that kind of happens around that uh, is also one of my, my high points. And I also wanted to give, uh, since I couldn't really go into detail about that Metroid Dread moment, I also wanted to to mention the reveal trailer for Sora joining Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Oh, yeah. Which I thought just perfectly bookended all of the character reveals. You know, the style of that trailer went all the way back to the very first reveal trailer for the game. Uh, and it was such a, a, a nice moment and a big character to end it on. So kudos to that moment as well. Yeah. What an end to that whole reveal series, like three years in the making. It's pretty amazing to see it come to an end in such a spectacular way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really ended on a high note. Well, that's it. Kent and Krista, thanks Ooh. so much for coming on the show. We did it. Hope you have a very Yay. happy holiday, a holiday filled with family and, and you know, more cruise and blast music <laughs> in the background, I'm sure. Speed runs oh, yes. for Metroid Dread, you know, all of those yeah, great, well all those wonderful things. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, you know, fifth run for you. <laughs> yeah. What's another one? 
What's another one? Awesome. Well, thank you for having us, Chris. It's always so much fun to be here. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. That's it for the fourth year of Nintendo Power Podcast. If you have any comments or questions you'd like us to consider answering on the show, you can email us at nintendopowerpodcast at noa.nintendo.com. Also, we always appreciate it if you can leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Thanks for listening and keep playing with power into 2022 and beyond.